0: If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. Hi, everybody. I'm excited to have my good friend and neighbor, Arthur Hunsaker, on my podcast today because you are the first author that I've ever had the opportunity to To have as a guest.
1: Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.
0: Well, I'm I'm excited to to be able to talk to you and just to find out about your book and about your inspiration behind it. I think a lot of us have dreamt about writing a book or thought about it. I think about it all the time. I haven't done anything to actually move that forward, but it's just it's a goal for a lot of people.
1: Oh, I would recommend it to anybody who has any inclination at all to give it a try, and you learn a whole lot about. The process of putting a, a thought together and, uh, and carrying it all the way through to the end. And, and you learn a lot about yourself in the, in the process.
0: Let's, let's talk about your book. Sure. Introduce it and tell us about it.
1: The, the book takes place in 1861 in the Utah Territory. And uh, Philip St. George Cook was a, uh, the colonel who was in command of, uh, of troops here in, uh, in Utah down there at Camp Floyd. And he, uh, he was also the man who led the Mormon Battalion. He was not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But he led the Mormon Battalion uh, on their journey uh, to, the, to the coast uh, like 14 years earlier, and then just happened to be in the right place at the right time to be a part of the things going on later. He comes across, he spent some uh, time back east, and then came out uh, to Utah and uh, was serving. And by that point, there were only a few hundred soldiers there after a, a big build up to the Utah war just a few years before. And he was feeling kind of like he'd been, he was out of step and left behind uh, in this backwater assignment. But he learns that about a year before he arrived to be the commander, that a sergeant in the, uh, in the army had been shot in broad daylight in the streets of Salt Lake City. And that the person who shot him, who, and this is all based on the historical record, uh, this person who shot him was, uh, was indicted, but never arrested or, or tried. Really? Allowed to roam free. And that got his hackles up. And, uh, so he made up his mind that he was, in my story, this is the fictional part, that in the story, he decides to go up to Salt Lake City and cash in his chips with Brigham Young and say, I want this guy to turn himself in and we're going to be tried. But uh, Brigham Young has other things in mind. He, he's uh, not all that anxious to uh, just do that without a little quid pro quo, which is there was a young man about 11 years old at, at around the same time that sergeant in the army was killed who, up in uh, brigham city who was uh, shot and killed by a soldier and uh, he said uh if you uh, that that uh, soldier whoever it was that did it never was tried and uh, never arrested and tried and so he says essentially i want you to go find out, you know, I want justice, and then I'll see what I am willing to do about helping you. Really? And so, and that person, that boy who was killed was uh, an ancestor of mine. Oh, really? And that's where the story comes from. And so the investigation is all fiction, but the the two incidents, the two killings actually happened.
0: Really, so it's just part of your family history. Yeah. hearing about this boy.
1: Yeah, it, it your was, your rel your great great. Oh, thirty years ago, I uh, was in my job at the with the legislature, legislative research and general counsel. A great job, but didn't really feed my creative side to the degree that I would have liked. And one of those one day, I was in, after about three years in the job, I was in the doldrums a bit, and my wife Pam said, "Maybe it's time you pull that." Uh, book down, that Hunsaker family history book. Maybe you'll find something in there that will... That's neat. Yeah. And so I thought to myself, what in the world could possibly be in that book that would could really help me with the feelings that I'm having right now? But she's always has great advice. So I took the <laughs> book does. down and uh, started reading. And I got about, I, I recognized many of the stories from this because my father had brought us up on these stories, these family stories. And the book was focused on my great great grandfather Abraham Hunsaker, who was in the Mormon was in the Mormon battalion and then settled up in Brigham City area. And I so yeah, I just I recognized many of the stories, but then about two thirds of the way through the book I came across this story of this this one of his sons that was killed and it just completely floored me that's a story i had never heard growing up and uh i just i i was just i was never the same after that really and i said that day to myself i said i cannot leave this earth until i've had the opportunity and take the opportunity to find out everything there is to know about what happened and why and write about it and i held on to that i and it was years. I was
0: going to say, how many years ago was this?
1: That was about thirty years ago really? when it happened. About thirty-two now. But but two years ago, when I was when you were thinking digging about into it. the book, and I retired uh, about mm-hmm. three, a little over three years ago, and um, I just felt like that this that writing was something I should. This was, I had tried to write something in the mid '90s and had worked hard, but. Between a church calling and being a husband and, and a mm-hmm. father, I got to the point where I couldn't pursue that book and make improvements on it to make it publishable. Something had to give. And so I literally had to put that book on the shelf and wait for another day. And I thought to myself, if not now, when?
0: Really? And so you decided to tell to tell a story? Yeah. Yeah. The fact that it just stuck with you. I mean, do you feel like that was... Sort of a prompting. Oh, I think you know, so. Him I, saying, I, I want to, I want my story to be known. And
1: I, uh, i from time to time, I go up to Brigham City and I, I visit the boy's grave. And, uh, I get, I just, uh, I get very moved by that experience every time I go. Really?
0: Just this incredible yeah, connection. It's just a,
1: a little stone. It's not upright. It's just set in the ground and it's just only about this big. Uh, and, uh, it just, I've never been able to get him off my mind. And oh, just, I love it! And just felt like this is something I had to do.
0: So, in order to tell the story, what was what was your research like? I mean,
1: yeah, there journals
0: uh, and people that have written about
1: it. That it's interesting you should ask because, as the years went by, in the nineties and into the two thousands. I would, when I had a weekend that I could spare mm-hmm. or a night, uh, where nothing much was going on, uh, I would just go and haunt the libraries. I remember going to the old Farmington library, the one that they, they tore down, uh, some years ago and rebuilt, built it uh, better one somewhere else. But I remember going in there and finding in the special collections area after a lot of digging and research that there was a book there that was, that had, had some material about my family. And I opened that book and and went into the special collections area, opened it up, and there was a, a chapter written by one of my ancestors who passed away, I believe, in the 1950s, but who wrote about the incident. And he was giving what appeared to be almost a, a verbatim a recounting recourse. of exactly what happened. With a level of detail that I had never seen before.
0: Oh, that's incredible!
1: And uh, I mean, it's one of those times when you, all the hard work and all the researching and the digging and the failure and the failing, mm-hmm. suddenly pays off in a burst. That's and really neat. It was it was moments like that all the way through as the years went by that made it impossible for me to entirely let it go and ignore. Uh, it just added fuel to that fire.
0: That passion to be able to tell this story and to share the truth of what happened, I guess. And I didn't realize that this book was about you. I mean, it was that personal to you. Oh, I, I I hadn't realized that. That's fascinating.
1: It's, and I just, um, I'm so glad that to have had the opportunity. Now, in the revising part uh, process, that's a whole other matter. Um, I had a neighbor. I, I was seeking advice and and uh feedback mm-hmm. something that you have to be willing to submit to <laughs> right. uh, if you're going to get anywhere as as a writer and, and I'm an amateur i you know i i had to self publish it because uh it was not something that a publisher was ready to um the the historical fiction genre is not a big seller it hasn't been in the last couple yeah. of years, and so they passed on it but but uh I, I just um I was uh, wa- wanting feedback, and so I had a neighbor, a very well-read neighbor, who had the time to sit and read it. And he uh, called me up and said, "Why don't you come over?" Good. And he sat me down and he said, "Art, I've got some sharp criticism for you." Oh, okay. And he, 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 I said, "I like your idea. I think it has potential." But he said, "You're you got to do this differently and this differently." And then you know you and. Uh, I'm like anyone else. I'm. I have feelings about what I do, and (laughs) but I, and and I wondered how I would handle that. But I was. I was really kind of surprised. It suddenly occurred to me that this this man who I knew very well and who had been I'd worked with in various ways over the decades, that he just cared about me and wanted Mm -hmm. to do the best thing for me, and it. It suddenly it felt like a gift what he was giving me.
0: Good feedback. So, yeah. Did oh, it, great Did it feedback. change your book in a very dramatic way?
1: Uh, yeah. And you know, it's uh, you, there's so many things that are going on in your head when you're trying to put a story together and mm-hmm. make it flow and have a have a dramatic arc and build to something. And these suggestions that he made uh, really turned the corner. In fact. That's neat. I had, uh, sort of left it and put it to the side because, uh, the, my initial effort to get it published had, had not worked. And so I was working on the second one, which I've finished. And I'm now waiting to hear from publishers what they want to do with it if, if they want it. But, uh, but when he had the time finally and, and, and talked to me, I dropped the second book that I was working on and went back to the first, made those corrections and, uh, and again, still there was not a level of interest. Uh, but that's when self-publishing comes mm-hmm. into play, and that's where you are able happened. to
0: do that. I think it's uh, honestly it's it's fascinating, and it's something that I've always thought about doing. You know, people always will say, "Oh, you should write a book about your story and and Lee's life." And but I keep waiting for this dramatic ending, this big "but you know, and and this happened, and it, and it hasn't happened yet, and so I haven't done it. But what what's really helped me to realize is the importance of journal writing. Oh, yeah. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately, actually, thinking, you know, because sometimes we go through our lives and we don't think things matter, but the details that we could provide by journal writing would be so helpful. So are you a journaler?
1: Well, the, <laughs> yes, and then no, and then yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, for many, many years, I was, uh, I was just very constant in my journal writing. Uh, I have pile of books uh notepads after notepads uh for many many years keeping almost a daily journal and then the press of life after i got married and began we began to have kids made it very difficult and i wasn't putting first things first like i should and i let it drift uh i have now come back to it i my wife and i went to england a month or so ago. And I w- made up my mind, this was a lifelong dream for both of us. I was not going to go to England and come home and not have
0: okay, recorded good.
1: it. And that has really helped me jumpstart my journal writing. But yeah, I have stacks from long time ago up until my late 20s, maybe early 30s. And then I have this long gap in mm. between. But...
0: Well, I mean, things get busy and stuff, but as I've been listening to other people who have um, written biographies or had biographies written, and they talk about their journals, and then you were able to go to the library and find a family history book with some great detail that have probably made it possible for you to write your story, I thought, you know what? That keeps coming to me, this theme of just really recording our lives.
1: We're all the, the our, our history is, uh, as a community, as a, as a family, is the sum of what we, as family members in a community, leave behind it's and true. Uh, and without it, I mean, I don't know how I could have done what I've tried to do without other people before me who cared enough right. about their own lives and 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 having it be remembered by somebody mm-hmm. to to write it all down. Uh, I'm just so grateful. We, historians are my heroes,
0: they really are. And if we don't have the history, we lose we lose our past, but we also muddy our future, I think, you know, we can't oh, yeah. learn from what we've learned and remember those things. As you've written your books, you talked about self-publishing, because I think a lot of people might be interested in writing a book yeah. at some point in their lives. How did you choose what you wanted to write about? Was it always sort of a goal to write something and publish something, or was it until, maybe not until you've, you had this, this story in mind?
1: Well, it started in fifth grade. I, I was an avid, voracious reader and uh, and then one day in fifth grade, the, we had a student teacher come in and say, "We're going to do a creative writing block." Okay. And suddenly, I crossed over from being a consumer of stories to being a creator of stories, and it was something about that that just lit a fire in, in
0: me. In fifth grade.
1: In fifth grade, and it. then and then ninth grade, I uh, had a a creative writing teacher who we shared a, a, a passion for. The fellow Ross Macdonald, who wrote the Lou Archer detective series, I love mysteries, and I've tried to incorporate mystery elements in in the books that I write. But anyway, we had a, a mutual uh, fascination with this series of detective novels, and we had long conversations about that. and And he saw something in my writing that w- that he felt was worth uh, encouraging. And then, when I was in, uh, when I was a college freshman at BYU, I had an English uh, professor who sat me down and tore my writing apart. <laughs> and then, sent word by word, sentence by sentence, he built my build it back up again. And gradually over the semester, I became a half decent writer.
0: Really, that's that's awesome. I, and
1: and then in my job, I I uh, we had a. A uh, professor from BYU. It was not. It was not the same fellow. But you know, ten years after I was employed, uh, first employed, who we, they hired a uh, this BYU writing uh, professor to to come and, and train us on how to write. And so you wanted writing samples. And I thought, oh, God, I've already had to put that creative <laughs> mm-hmm. writing part of me on a shelf. I do not. I have no interest in in having my technical writing, memos, briefing papers, letters, evaluate. I just don't care what what <laughs> what they, what people think of and it. And
0: you're writing legislative policy at that point, right? Yeah. You're an analyst for just, the state?
1: Yeah. Okay. And, and so I turned in my writing samples and I go to the training. This is Dr. Don Norton, who's retired now. And I'm sitting there and I hear somebody call my name and it's Doctor Norton, and he comes over and he says, "Art, who taught you how to write?" And I said, oh, <laughs> and, I, "And I, I, I fumbled. I didn't. Rem- I forgot the, the my freshman English professor." And I mentioned my my uh, creative writing teacher in, in ninth grade, and he says, and he didn't seem very impressed with that. He said, "Well, somebody somewhere taught you to take it very seriously." Oh. And then he said, may I use your writing samples uh, in the training today uh, as examples uh, for, the, for the, and I have never been more floored in my that life. Is really good news. I, and so these things happened over the years that made it hard for me to ignore that I had some, you, some you, measure you had of talent gift, that I uh-huh. should do something with. And, uh, and so I just, thought you know i i I need to do something with it uh and and let the chips fall where they may and uh the first book often is not what the one that takes off it's often the second or the third or the whatever and so i'm just going to keep doing this uh as long as i feel like it's something i should do and so far that's that's the case
0: and it's it's really fun tell me about your process of writing like how long how many months did it take you to write your first book
1: oh off and on between the research mm-hmm. and the actual writing, I would say it probably took me, because I'm such a novice, it probably took me, I would say a year, over a year. Over a year. Yeah. And now, with some people, it probably comes a lot faster. For For me, I, I'm interested in things that have really happened and then putting a fictional spin mm-hmm. to fill in details and make it dramatically uh, tell the story that I'm into, I want to, I want to tell but uh, but and so it requires me to educate myself I I read biographies and and histories of the time period uh, so that I understand I have things to draw from uh, elements that are going to end up in the story
0: well in where it's historical fiction the research is so important because people can fact check most of it, right? Oh, and yeah.
1: Just... And in the book, at the end of each chapter of of the books that I write, I have a some listings of of what actually happened uh-huh. and some background about characters or incidents that were just portrayed in the chapter that oh, I just okay. finished. So that people can, uh, as they so go along, they,
0: they can kind of tell. Okay, without this is...
1: give, doing any spoilers, uh, and sometimes at the very end, I have had to say the reason I didn't say anything about this at the end of chapter two is because <laughs> because uh, this yeah. building. But but yeah, I I want people to know where the truth ends and the and the fiction begins, so that they uh, there's no so secret. that they can put
0: it into context. Yeah, I, I'm impressed and amazed because historical fiction seems very. It seems like of any genre that you would write, it seems like it would be the most difficult, um, hmm. But the most rewarding as well. So
1: Oh yeah. The, the, this writing that I've tackled since my retirement is, without question, the hardest work I've ever professional work I have ever done in my life, days when I'm just, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to get from here in the story to there, or uh, other dilemmas. That just, and I would just rack my brain. History then would always provide an answer if I'd go back and, and study it and, and then find, and then it's not, but it's on, on the one hand, it's the hardest professional thing I've ever done. But on the other hand, it's the brought, has brought me the most professional joy. Really, I can't imagine not having done what I'm doing because oh, that's fantastic the, to the hear. joy is just, has been, has repaid me tenfold from the, the the ang- the anxiousness and the and the hitting the brick wall moments that uh, that I've had
0: so tell me a little bit about your writing style are you someone who locks yourself in a room and you say okay I need the weekend and I'm going to write or do you just have a goal i know some people will say well i write i don't know 300 words a day or something like that you have a daily goal
1: i have this office in the basement and i shut the door and i on days when i'm hitting it really hard i'm there except for a lunch break for really? until evening. And, um, uh, sometimes members of my family <laughs> have, uh, have had some consternation that I disappeared and, and why don't we go do something? And I, mm-hmm. and I go, well, sure, let's go do something. But, but yeah, it, it takes, it takes a lot of focus and a lot of time and which is why it would have been impossible, uh, for me to do this when I had six kids in the house it well, just been impossible. oh
0: yeah it would well when what i love about hearing people do things that they really have wanted to do but maybe at a later date you know being willing to put them off a little bit is because sometimes i think when we're younger we think gosh if we can't do it all now you know it's gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna fail and our life's gonna be miserable and we don't realize that there's a time and a season for things
1: yeah and and it, it was painful when i put that book away uh yeah. in the mid-90s. That was a, a very, very painful moment for me, very difficult. But uh, I knew that there was no other alternative. I Dif- love my, in... my wife and my kids <laughs> yeah. and the other responsibilities that I had, and they had to come first. And I had to just say to myself, there will be compensations and mm-hmm. the time will come. And when it comes, I got to be ready. I love but it. It was very, it was very difficult. And I don't mean to make it sound like my family doesn't support my, they do Oh no, very of course, much. of course. But it's time consuming. But it, yeah, you get so caught up in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And of course you can go down historical rabbit holes that, right and, right, and history is so fascinating to me that, and this time period in frontier history of uh-huh. Utah has so many fascinating stories. That if you're not careful, you go, you get, you can get lost. And you, I had to, I have a, I've had to make myself, okay, art. Right, remember, this is this going to contribute to the oh. path of the story? <laughs> right. And if it if it really isn't, and it's just sort of a sidetrack that would be fun and interesting, but not get me where I need to go, I've just I have to shut that door. And
0: so you've been really disciplined. It sounds uh, like I tried and very intentional. I've tried. At, were, were you able to seek out other mentors, and or has this been something that you've sort of just oh. done?
1: Oh yes um, I mean sometimes other people, people have book groups and I have a, peer a, a collection of um of friends and and people that I share some some of them are former colleagues in at the uh at the legislature in my office who've uh, some of whom are retired and some who haven't who've expressed an interest in what I'm doing and believe it or not a willingness to sit down <laughs> That's and great. find time to go through it and then give me you know feedback that that isn't all isn't all good it i mean it's all good but i mean it isn't all positive some of mm-hmm. it they've had to be very direct and say this is you got to work on this which is exactly what you need at a time Absolutely. like this and it's something that we did in the job every day, we were constantly passing our work along to our colleagues and having them review it. And we were constantly getting feedback. If you didn't like feedback, <laughs> right, you weren't going to last for long <laughs> for and sure. your product wasn't going to be very good.
0: Yeah, that's true. So it kind of looks like, and it feels like you've been prepared for this time in your life, your whole life since you were in fifth grade, which is kind of neat was, as you look back and see how... Each yeah, is it,
1: built. It is fun to look back and, and realize that you were, that there was a, uh, that there was an end that it was all pointing to, even though you didn't know at the time. Uh-huh. And uh, it feels really good to know. It f- f- feels really good to know that.
0: And to feel like you're doing yeah. what you were meant to do. Yes. Right?
1: Yes. That's where the, the real joy comes in when you realize, I think this was some of the things that I was meant to do while I was here and I'm, and how glad I am that I was paying attention enough at yeah. least to have discovered that.
0: Well, and it's, and it's leaving a, a history for your, for children, for your family, and as well as for the rest of the world, just to yeah. tell a story. It's just, it's really neat. Tell us about your second book.
1: The second book starts, uh, it's set in 1888 in, uh, and it begins in Iowa, a little town called Sydney, Iowa, and there, and this is where my main character this time, is a fictional character. First time he was a, he was an actual colonel in the army, but this fellow is uh, writes for a newspaper in that little town, and uh, he's not all that thrilled with his current employment, especially his employer, uh, his editor, or his publisher. And um, he has a chance encounter with a fellow who lives not far outside of town uh who i mean he it's it's, it's at it, the time the book is not about polygamy but because it's set in 1888 and he eventually gets on a train and goes to the Utah territory <laughs> okay you can't write about that time period and not address polygamy, polygamy. Mm-hmm. and so he he to, as a way to get out of town he is halfway to talking his editor his publisher into sending him to Salt Lake City and bringing, sending back dispatches about what's going on Up, and how and... The, the death of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because they won't uh, budge on polygamy at the time. And uh, he's got his publisher half, tempt, half convinced, and then this fellow he bumps into, uh, who's a landowner outside of town, says uh, persuades him to go to the territory for a different reason. He, essentially, he hires him, to find someone who's gone missing. He says, okay. I'm, I'm aware of a, a fellow uh, who lives around, around here, who's lost track, he, he's getting old and he's, he's wanting to connect with some member of his family that he has completely lost track with. And so he's, he was wishing he could find this person. And he says, I want to hire you on behalf of this fellow I know, and I'll pay you handsomely. I've got plenty of money to just go to Utah. It's better than polygamy. He says, polygamy's <laughs> a dead issue. Everyone's Good. writing about it. No, I mean, it's to the point where... People, are, people yeah. don't
0: care. It's not news anymore, right? It's,
1: and, and so, this will actually, you know, this this will actually give you an adventure. Okay. And so, he pays him very well up front to, uh, to go to Utah and find this fellow. And so, this... This uh, newspaper uh, reporter gets on a train, and, and I don't dare say much more, but he okay. has one adventure after another, and then learns about a terrible small town secret that, um, that, he, that people in the town do not want to talk about. I and love that it. Actually, and this actually happened as well. Oh, really? And so he's, uh, he's trying to find this fellow, uh, but at the same time, he's become aware of this thing that no one will talk about. And uh, he very much wants to know what it is. And the, more, the harder he tries to get somebody to talk about it, the more resistant everyone becomes. And so it's all kind of, it all ends up kind of tying together. But that's the, that's the premise at I least. I
0: love it. I want to know too. What, what's the book called?
1: Well, my working title for the second one uh, is called For Others to Reap. It's from a poem by Elizabeth Akers Allen uh, that she wrote, a poet back in the uh, 1800s here in America. She took a trip to England, and while she was in England, she had this idea for for a um, a poem co- that she ended up calling Rock Me Asleep. Uh, and and there's a part in the poem that talks about how I'm tired of, of uh, wasting my life away, and at one point says... Tired of sowing for others to reap.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And so it f- seemed to fit dramatically uh, into the um, into the story that I try to tell by just using you know taking the title from that poem.
0: Oh, I love it! It sounds fascinating and interesting, and I love mysteries as well. So
1: there's I I can never get away from. To me, a mystery is the perfect dramatic structure because it it forces you to reveal. Things a mm-hmm. bit at a time, right? And there's, like I said, those old Lou Archer novels from the the oh. detective novels. Uh, I never kind of got that out of. I never got it out of my system, and uh, it's just the most fun, absorbing, interest grabbing way to unfold a story to me.
0: I love mysteries as well, and as you're writing, I have wondered. I know that sometimes when I'm reading, and you can tell an author is trying to take you down a path and trying to trying to tell you a like share a moral story or share a, um, a message. Do you do that in your books?
1: I, uh, there was a direct, a film director named Sidney Lumet who did uh, some big, great, wonderful films uh, in before he passed away. And once they did a documentary about him and he said, I don't film the message. If I've done my job in the story, if I've done my job, right the message will come across in the story but oh. but he he was not a fan of having messages or speeches okay that you know if you haven't gotten the message across by the time the movie uh, when i've sometimes sat in a movie where it's like at the very end somebody it's like this okay i'm afraid the person didn't get my point <laughs> so here's so my I'm going to have my point said by a character mm-hmm. and i just sit there and i think oh my goodness i I'm glad that I mean I wish I was making the money that they make for what they're doing, but mm-hmm. what a what a terrible job of storytelling! If you have got to have a character spew the message at some point, then then you failed you, in your job. You just, yeah. Okay. And so I try to remember what Sidney Lamette said, and so yeah, I want there. There's a mess. There are messages there in the story, but if I've if I have had a character shriek them out. Then, then I have failed, I feel like. And so honestly, I try yeah, I really hard not to do that.
0: Well, I've yeah. heard that that's, that's a really difficult thing sometimes for authors. And so sounds like you've already mastered that. That's great. I, don't know I, I have a friend that, that writes uh, cowboy novels and just great historical kind of fictional kind of stories. But she said that is really hard for authors sometimes because you have a message that, of course, you want to share. Oh, that's yeah. why you're telling your story. Oh, sure. But to be able to let the characters share that like as it unfolds, like you've mentioned, rather than just to have this, this yeah, little speech I mean, at the end, um, it's a, it's a trick, and it, it's and it's a talent, not not a trick, but it's a skill.
1: And it remains to be seen whether I pulled it off. But uh, well, I I hope I have it's. But yeah, it, there's that thing inside you that's dying to.
0: Right. You just want to be able get, to so, it.
1: get it out there and get it across in as direct a way as you can. And and I just try to remind myself, you know, let the let the characters have experiences mm-hmm. where that becomes very clear.
0: So in your in your books that you're going to write that you've written and going to write in the future, do you ever picture yourself writing a series? And
1: kinda interesting. This second one it wasn't my intention mm-hmm. when I wrote the second book. But when I when I try to look back objectively at it, I I think to myself now that one probably has legs there are other stories that could be told by continuing that characters those those characters and those in the situations that they put themselves in uh but it wasn't my intention but yeah i think that one could the first one no no The the first one was the story to be told
0: and hey that's interesting i know that um i love to i love series we all do and you buy three of the books, and you read them all, and you listen to them all, and it's it's great because you've got this window of time, and it's your focus, and and it's got longevity too. Yeah. And so um, I always thought, if I ever wrote, I don't know, something that wasn't a self help type book, I'd probably probably try to turn something into a series.
1: It's it's uh, once you've done it, and you re- and you sit back and realize that that's what you've that sort of what's made, happened. then it's. It's uh, it's something that you st- your mind starts going places and you right. start thinking of okay I could do this or I could do this. And well, and the
0: characters really come alive, don't they? Because yeah. now they're they're people, really. They're 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 part of you, and so they have a story to be told.
1: But my goal was to tell a complete story. If if nothing ever came of the of if nothing comes of the second book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it 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 could st- i think it could stand, stand on, on own. its own, oh, okay, but there are elements to it that would lend itself to being continued
0: I love that you're an author, art, you're thanks. so talented. it's been fun growing up next to your family and kind of being in the same area and watching your kids grow up and all the fantastic things that you and Pam have done with your family, and you've got outstanding kids Well, thanks so and it,
1: so have you oh. it's been uh, it's been a it's been a fun thing to uh live around one another and to uh go through some of the same experiences some of them very different but uh but uh it's a wonderful community to be a part of
0: well it is and you've been a part of kaysville for a long time so
1: we moved here in 98 yeah that's a long time we were around uh, surrounded by people who had been here for decades Mm -hmm. and so we felt like very much the new people well if there's ever stories
0: to be told here or if you want to tell stories about Kaysville, let me know. Because <laughs> the longer I live here, the more I learn about all the fascinating people.
1: Oh, and as I and there's
0: incredible. And incredible as I look into here. yeah,
1: and as I look into history, I occasionally Kaysville comes up, yeah. or a person, or the community, and so yeah, there's stories here for sure. I'm sure.
0: Have you always loved history?
1: Uh, that's my dad's fault. Really? Uh, he was a, a B-17 bomber captain in World War II. And uh, raised me with a, a sense of the importance of history. I remember one night he took me to the drive-in, and we were there until mm-hmm. it was a double feature of a couple of war films in nineteen in the summer of nineteen seventy. And we were there, I swear, until two thirty in the morning. Oh, really? Because it took that long for <laughs> I mean they were both two and a half three hours apiece. But and I cherish those memories with him. But I always sense that that he had a strong feeling that history is, is something that we are a part of and we contribute to or don't contribute to as depending on the way we live our lives in a, positive, in a positive way or not. And that we owe those around us and those who come after us to have played a positive part in the history, whatever however narrow or wide our orbit may be. So yeah that was probably my dad who um uh, instilled that love of, that first love of history that I have not recovered from.
0: <laughs> I that's neat that you would share that story. They they say psychologists say that you know some of those memories that we have as kids that's amongst all the memories that we have that stand out really do shape us.
1: Oh yeah. And
0: it it definitely sounds like that's happened to you.
1: Very much so. Very much so and I I I'm so very grateful to him for that. In fact, he um, he passed away here about a year and a half ago, just a few weeks short of his 99th birthday. Um, he he uh, the he spent his last nine months here in Kaysville. He had he was on a uh, he was out living out in the country in southern Oregon, but didn't have enough family around him that could take care of him, and so we transplanted him. Brought him to a, a facility here in Kaysville. And for the last nine months of his life, he and I had the opportunity to just, I'd go and visit him almost every day. And I would record our sessions.
0: Awesome. Where,
1: and I would pick his brain about his memories of growing up in Deweyville, so Utah, up north. And he would tell me stories. And, and then occasionally he would just start to laugh as the memories would come flooding back. And uh, I'm just so grateful that I had that nine months with him, and and where he shared history of his community, his own personal history. I found out, and I did not know this until I visited with him uh, uh, these those his last nine months. I found out where his faith in God came from. I had never known that before. He was not one to talk about those things. He just he took us to church. uh He was obviously dutiful about those kinds of things. But that was it, and uh, except for a couple of times when I was a boy, when he would share his deep feelings about about that, but he never talked about it his or the origin of that where his testimony. faith came from, really. And uh, so now I have that for I have that now uh, that I, and I cherish I cherish that that uh recording he made.
0: Art, that's really neat. So many of us don't have that opportunity, and it's oh. neat that you that you did, and that you took advantage I, of it, and you recorded it. Gosh. I put, I
1: put headphones in those really nice ones. You know, we, yeah. so, someone was kind enough to get me a really nice set of headphones, and I turn those recordings on, and it's so clear and so distinct that it's like he's right there in the room with really? me.
0: Really? Oh, what a gift for your family and yeah. for your children, your grandchildren. It's yes. neat. Well, I'm so excited to be able to talk to you about your books, and thank you for being on. And well, Thank you for having it's, me. It's really neat to see people living their dream. It's I love a, it.
1: it. It's a wonderful feeling to finally have a have that opportunity to do that. The first book, I didn't mention the title. Oh, yeah. It's called A Far Reckoning, and that's... Uh, that that's the title the other one that I've already mentioned that's the second book but I just wanted to get make sure the title of the first where book where
0: can people find it I've seen it on Amazon yeah it's okay. it's
1: on uh, on Amazon that's where uh, where it can be found right okay. now
0: okay A Far Reckoning so you want people to read it obviously and then leave reviews right doesn't that help
1: absolutely good bad or indifferent okay I, that's,
0: give you some feedback absolutely well thank you Art thank you appreciate you sharing your story with us and letting us have an opportunity to get to know you
1: thanks so much
0: To all my podcast listeners, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your feedback and your support. Please leave comments and please leave suggestions for future guests. And most importantly, subscribe. Thank you.